Welcome to the Reading Aloud podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us and a baby. <laughs> Enjoy. All right, today's the day we share our birth story. Exciting. Mm-hmm. So, where do you want to begin? Well, I guess I, for most reading aloud followers, they've followed along with this journey. And I would say, like, when this started, it was both such a relief and looking back on the entire journey, it was also just very indicative of it was like reflective of what the entire journey has been to date. Like, AKA, it was hard AF. Hard and long and joyous and. Uh, there was, you know, tension, release, tension, release, tension, release throughout the whole journey. And um, I'm just reflecting back to the entirety of our pregnancy. Well, at least we're consistent. Yeah. So we're sleeping and... No, no. We have to back up just a little bit to up. the night back before. Up. No. So we had been a little bit before that is that we had been planning on an induction because I had been suffering so greatly from acid reflux and heartburn where I couldn't sleep. The doctors had no cure for it anymore. We had tried every medicine and I was just simply not sleeping. I was super uncomfortable. And we were on the fence about an induction. I felt really conflicted about it. I was like, why would we give this baby the boot when they potentially aren't ready? So I've right. been praying about whether or not to do that. And then the night before my water broke, which was the day before his due date, we yep. got in March a, 30th. We, I, I was like, I need to go to bed early because I really need a lot right. of sleep. <laughs> and then you picked a fight with me. Mm. Per huge. And we fought. I remember sitting in that damn rocking chair. We were fighting, fighting, fighting. And I was so pissed. I was like, this was my night to go to sleep early, prepare for the week ahead. And I ruined it. You ruined it. I ruined it. But we joked that that actually lit the fire. <laughs> yeah. So next morning, um, your water broke at 5 a.m. And all I remember was you just. You had went when I got up to pee yeah, and I yeah. got back in bed and I was pouring water in the bed and I thought, um, for whatever reason I thought maybe I was bleeding, I, I don't know. Or you were like not done peeing, you just kind of kept kept going. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, babe, I I don't know, I think my water broke and I had you look at it, you couldn't really tell, and so I jumped in the shower and I just was pouring water. Yeah, and then I noticed it was all in the bed, and it was it was such a you know I think cutting right to the chase of the the meaningfulness of this moment. It was it was so joyous, and and this was definitely one of those releases of emotion where there had been so much you know, tension and nervousness around this birth. And then we were nervous to be induced. And the start of it felt like, oh, this is something that worked right. This is something that was going as planned. And I, maybe I'm hesitant to use that word, but like it, 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 it was the first time my body had done something on its own yeah. and didn't need some sort of intervention. Well, despite growing a healthy baby, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. But all along the way, it was so, there were so many doctors and so many things. And yeah. so it, it just felt like, oh my gosh, we don't need an induction mm. in the traditional sense of it. And we both got in the shower and held cried. each other and cried. Which was sweet after having had that fight. So then we called our, our doula who said what she often had said to us. Okay, well, let's just watch, wait and see. 
And then we texted our midwife who said to me, okay, I want you to start taking walks, really rigorous walks, brisk walks around the block. Yeah. And, you know, of course, immediately when your water broke, like my mind goes into that baby's coming in 11 minutes, you (laughs) know, right? (laughs) and we got to rush to the hospital or you're going to have it in our living room. And of course, that's not the case. But, you know, that's I don't know. Clearly, I was trained to believe that. And so I'm like, okay, okay, here we go. You know, and I don't even know what I'm doing. I think you're like in the shower and I'm just like pacing around the room, putting on my pants and like, you know, ready to go. Um, 5 a.m. We and were then the midwife sure. is like, chill out, eat some food, go for walks, call me in like two hours. <laughs> she said, if in six hours you haven't started active labor, then I want you to come to the hospital because at that point we'd be tracking just to make sure that uh, the water breaking d- hadn't led to a, an infection or something that can happen after the water breaks. And so we, you went to go get bagels. I was like, let's carb load. And you went to go get bagels. <laughs> but I remember you being like, should I leave you alone? And I'm like, I don't know, but we need the bagels. So yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was nerve wracking. So we took our walk and we did not, and we did all these exercises and we essentially did not end up in super active labor, just kind of mild labor. And so we went to the hospital around one or two in the afternoon and we got there and things were really calm and chill. And we got a beautiful uh, room with a view and our doula met us there and we were starting the process feeling pretty good and pretty hopeful about it. It was a smooth, it was kind of a smooth transition, you know, and that was... I feel really grateful for that. Like since your water breaking to getting into the hospital and getting somewhat settled in the hospital. Although when we were going into the hospital, you were having contractions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember you stopping in the middle of the hallway mm-hmm. and like as we're walking up to the room and, you know, kind of bending over, having a contraction and being like, do you need a wheelchair? And you're like, no, I can make it kind of thing. Why is it that before you have a baby and here in retrospect, that sounds like the coolest thing in the world. And in that moment, it is the worst. It's so painful. You know, it's, it's kind of it's, like it's, running a marathon. When you're in the middle of it, you're like, I can't believe this is the worst. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you go through moments, you know, this is super hard slash and I'm just projecting here. Clearly, I don't know. But then there, there was also moments of like joy and power. You know, there were moments of like power and feeling that kind of. I guess if we're using this marathon comparison like that runner's high, just embodiment of the, the, the full expression of your of your human self. That's awesome. So we, after a while of being in the hospital, they recommended we consider Pitocin. You know, of course, we have our doula, which is was the most incredible support system for us because I really trusted that she understood what we wanted out of this experience and she was going to do her best to help us attain that. And we all agreed that Pitocin, getting a little bit of Pitocin going was going to be a good start. And so we did. Then I just want to fast forward to, you know, now we're at like five o'clock in the afternoon, seven o'clock in the evening, nine o'clock at night. 14 hours already since your water broke, which is why we started Pitocin, because they were like, you're not super dilated. Yeah, you're not progressing. Your contractions are not close enough yet. You're not really in super active labor. So we need to move these things along because it's been a long time since your water broke. 
And one of the things, you know, we had talked about before was getting these cervical massages, which are everything short of a massage. They're super painful. And I was having, I was having to have multiple of those to try to help me dilate because there was scar tissue on my cervix that needed to be broken up. That's where I realized that I have so much extra pain and sensitivity on my cervix because of the surgery that I've had there before. You know, I was having these kind of ultra heavy duty reactions to Mm -hmm. these massages in a way that really indicated to me. uh, Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I think, well, I would just interject and say like, from my perspective, it was a, your reaction to it was more than just, this is painful. It was deeply rooted trauma that was being held in the body. Kind of like a, you know, there was a blockage there uh, an, an energetic blockage and when it was pushed on it was not only physically painful but deeply you know from the gut emotionally painful and you know your reaction of pain when they were giving these massages quote unquote was not just like that hurts it was you know I am I am suffering at a, at a deep level right now, and that that was very telling. I, I mean, to me, not only in our birth story, but in greater of, of how we carry trauma in our bodies. And they were they, there was a need within the birth for you to break through that, mm. for you to break through that trauma to be able to kind of start the process of opening up to give birth to baby Neo. Wow. Well said. Really appreciate that reflection. I haven't actually heard you describe it like that or thought of it that way. So, you know, we do the Pitocin and labor starts to get going. We're having these massages and we're start. we kind of get into a groove. So the night goes on and we're going into the middle. Oh, of the wait, night. can I interject one thing yeah. that we did that was really funny? So we, at a certain point, we were really trying to get labor going. Um, this was right before the Pitocin. I mean, and we were up and we started, do- we did a hit workout. We did it. Yeah, we did a workout. Yeah, we did a hit. We did like a, you know, 40 seconds of movement, 20 seconds of rest for 10 minutes or so. And yeah, we did like a 10 minute hit workout. We pumped some jams and it was. And our our doula joined us and it was awesome. Yeah, I remember the nurse walking in and we're like, you know, arms up, kicking our knees up to like whatever, Janet Jackson or something. And she's like, okay, back away. That was awesome. Yeah. So, you know, labor gets going into the night and we're having a great time. And the way I would describe it is it felt like you said, it was super powerful. It was the, the, the high of it all that I was in active labor. I was managing the pain of the contractions. Uh, and you and I were in our own world walking through the halls. I distinctly remember being in the bathroom together and sitting on the toilet and having contractions and having you there with me and just, you know, forehead to forehead, breathing together. Incredible to be going through labor with you that way. And I was bleeding more and it just felt like everything was happening. Yeah, we were, it felt like we were progressing. And, you know, you've, you've shared since then that you were actually enjoying it. This was the kind of spiritual, you know, breaking through the veil embodiment experience that, that I think we, or maybe you kind of somewhat imagined birth to be like, right? I guess, and um, where that kind of that pain is just this like it's very just reflective of this like transformation. 
I felt connected with you. I felt like I was providing support and like with you as best I could be on the journey. And we were, you know, up and moving and bathroom and bed and like kind of making this like, you know, collective process and decision. It was, it was really special section of hours. Yeah. And it was so interesting because at about 2.30 in the morning, they checked to see how much I had dilated. And the answer was none. Yeah. I was, I had started the day at two centimeters and I had not dilated any more despite the bleeding and the, and the increased contractions. And I cannot explain to you, it was the most defeating feeling in the world to think that I had just gone through, I don't know, six, seven hour. Well, no, no, no. Like I had just... <clears throat> I had just gone through like three or four hours of labor thinking I was making progress only to find out that I hadn't. I mean, zilch progress, like zero, you know, if they were, if they said you're six centimeters dilated, oh, it had been, yeah, yeah, it kept going, rocked, you 100%. know, but yeah, but no, it was zero change. You know, the solution was, is that I was going to need more of those cervical massages and a little bit more of a heavy hand with them. And the combination of knowing that that was coming, my exhaustion from the day and finding out just the, the like kind of emotional, um, the emotional defeat labor. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Defeat that I was feeling about not having progressed. I was like, I need an epidural like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so we got one and mm-hmm. I'm super grateful for it because I was able to catch a few hours of rest that night. And uh, spoiler alert, the labor goes on for another day and a half yeah. beyond this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so stay tuned. Don't, don't, you know, <laughs> we'll be back after this sleeping break brought to you by an epidural. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, we... and then, and then they were, they were able to do the, the cervical massages and kind of break up some of that without you. I mean, frankly, just be, just feeling it, you know, yeah. and, and being able to like, let that go, which was, which was absolutely critical. And it was amazing to me because you know, we don't actually, we didn't hit 10 centimeters until 9 PM the next night. And so it's amazing to me how, um, much longer I would have had to have gone of, uh, to dilate to that point without rest. Had we not had the epidural, our doula left at 6 AM, caught a two hour nap, came back, <laughs> fed her goats, came back. And I mean, she is our hero. We could not thank her enough. Doula's are an incredible resource. Yes, the, soul, the the Reading Aloud podcast highly recommends a doula. Yeah, for sure. Lifesavers. Lifesavers. And, you know, sh- she plays an important role going forward in this process too. So, like I said, it wasn't until the very next day. So we spent all day basically allowing my body to dilate without necessarily having to feel the pain of wading through all that. Yeah, and honestly... That next day, so, you know, again, for for folks following along, water broke at 5 a.m. on uh, March 30th. This is the day of March 31st. You hit, you dilated some. I think when they, when they did the massages, you kind of popped, if you will, to like four centimeters. But then it was kind of like there and we're kind of waiting for it to happen. But you're in bed. I think we caught some naps. I think everybody Mm kind of caught a couple of naps here and there. And then they checked around 8 p.m. the next on the 31st. And they were like, all right, you are fully dilated, which means you can start pushing. Well, it was this it was this thing, too, where like 
there was this theme throughout, which I mentioned tension release at the beginning, where you know we went through labor, you weren't dilating, got the epidural, and then you did a little bit. But then throughout that whole next day, you weren't really dilating, and then there was a conversation. I remember a conversation at that point be like, hey, if you're just not dilating after this long, we're going to have to think about options. And we are like, okay, let's give it a little bit. And then in the next two hours, you were like, boom, you started going. And I want to speak to that. Because not that everybody has this kind of control over their body, but I distinctly remember holding back. And I feel like I just wasn't able to let go. And sometimes you'll hear that, like, you just need to release, you just need to breathe down, like as if you could have control over that. And I don't ever want to suggest that we are the cause of the way that our birth goes, because it is, it, it's not always up to us. But for me, I remember, I mean, I remember it from the moment our midwife said, start taking a brisk walk around the neighborhood to get labor going. I, I mean, I was gripping so tight inside me. I was so afraid. It kind of felt like saying, here's a BB gun, shoot yourself in the eye. But when you're ready, you know, it's up to you whenever you're ready. And, and I just was like, how am I supposed to in, induce my own pain? It felt so counterintuitive, yeah. even though I yeah. knew what I wanted as an outcome. Mm. That's super powerful and honest of you. I mean, thanks for sharing. I think it's actually vulnerable to share because what you're saying is like, you know, you were scared of something that you also really wanted. And I think that that is very indicative of many things in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it comes up for me, like, how, how can we let go of that fear of, of holding on to something taking the leap there's there's a thousand different metaphors that, that people could use but you know I really saw that and at least in this scenario was our our midwives kind of coming in and saying hey this has got to move or you know other things that you don't really want are going to happen there were some ways that that kind of allowed you you know to to let go and when you did we saw a significant you know um, advances in the process. I felt like every time they suggested a cesarean, I would, I don't know. I just like, I would, my will would kick in and I'm like, I, I, I don't want to have come this far to then turn around and go in a different direction. And I was like, what can I do? And I would just like push with all my might. And I mean, I distinctly remember pushing, laboring. This is after I was fully dilated, laboring and pushing and holding on at the same time. I was pushing and holding at the very same time. Mm-hmm. And our doula was like, no, push down, push down and out. And I would like push up. I can't explain it to you. I would like push from the chest, push from the mouth, push from my face, but not push down into my pelvis. And I was really it, the the it, you know the level of control I was trying to maintain over the situation was not working in our favor. I just want to quickly ask you: Do you feel like the lessons that you learned in that birth have you been able to translate or apply them to other areas of your life? Because I think that's so powerful. There, like I was pushing, I was supposed to be pushing down, but I was pushing up. And I was pushing in both scenarios, but it was really, I was holding on to, you know, tension. I was holding on to control. uh, Yeah. Conflict and yeah, this control in a way. And so do you feel like that, that lesson that you learned in your birth has applied to other areas? Well, I, I think actually, as you're saying it now, I'm, 
as we're talking about it now, I'm having that realization. So my sense is that I'm going to start to apply that now because I, I mean, it's incredible what you're pointing out to me. The lesson that I had taken away from the birth was about breathing through the pain, you know, like I can make it through yeah. any amount of time with breath, which, mm. you know, mm-hmm. yep. I love that you're not saying I told you so, because of course you've always told me. No, (laughs) people hear something when they need to hear it not when you tell them the one thing that i wanted to note was that the morning of the 31st we made a decision to move from the midwives team to the ob team and that's because we knew the ob who was on call that day and something about the complications and and knowing her and I just, there's some things about her that I knew that were going to be in alignment with what I needed, which was like, I, I knew, I know she believes in me. I know that she believes in miracles. Um, I knew I would be able to pray with her. Like I just felt really confident about having her on our side and she was so gracious. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm technically I'm off work tomorrow and I'd love to just stay with you until this baby is born. Yeah. And at, at eight that night when I was dilated and we started to push at nine, she specifically said to us, like, for first time pushers, you know, this could take a, a couple of hours. Yeah. Quote. A couple of hours. But I remember thinking, at, OK, so the due date, Neil's original due date was March 31st. You were fully dilated. You know, it wasn't exact. This is an exact time, but like 8 p.m., say. And she's like, could take a couple hours. And I mean, we were like. Baby's coming on his due date. Baby's coming. Baby's coming on his due date. How incredible. After all we've been through, coming right on the due date. I mean, we were ready to go. And then we started pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And meanwhile, like, I feel like our our doula was teaching me how to push in that moment you know, again, points for the doula, but also for our OB. I mean, they were both literally teaching me how to push in this time. Like that's not something. It was on the job training. It was on the job training. (laughs) So we, you know, I remember asking you, is it still the 31st? Yeah. And the whole room like guffawing Mm -hmm. and be like, "Uh, myself, the OB, the doula and the nurse. nurse. They were like, no, (laughs) it's, it was you a know, bless your heart moment. Oh, honey, bless your heart. Yeah. It's, it's like three in the morning. On the first. <laughs> Six hours later. Right. And so I felt, you know. So anyways, moving on, we, we it was, again, there were multiple conversations about the potential need for a cesarean because each time we would need to be making more progress. Like he just wasn't coming down into the birth canal and, you know, and I keep, we keep saying he because we know he's a he now, but we didn't know at the time. It, baby was just baby Comet. And baby Comet was just wasn't coming down to the birth canal. And the OB was like, I can feel him, but he's just not dropping down. And, you know, if he doesn't come down, we're going to have to assist him out and all of these things. And then again, I would release to the next level. Yep. And we pushed, I'll never forget what it was like to push. And at this point, the epidural is long worn off. So I'm actually pushing again, feeling all the feelings and at 10 centimeters dilated full contractions. I mean, the only thing that it didn't feel painful because when you push, there is no pain. 
or there wasn't for me. From what happened, just to explain from my perspective, baby came down and then, or, or wasn't dropping, and then you released and they dropped. What are you thinking in this moment? I mean, honestly, for me, thanks for that question. I, I think, honestly, for me, the best I can recall was just, you say these like prayers, you know, when you're kind of waiting on something and um, you're just, you're like hoping something is going to happen and it kind of keeps passing by, keeps passing by, keeps passing by. And you're like, this one, this one, this one. And you, it, it's very methodical and it's very rhythmic and it's, it's, it's kind of like this like meditative state, it's but like hope and disappointment, hope, hope and, and disappointment. disappointment. And you're just writing, writing that. But at the same time, you're, you're not really expressing that outwardly or I wasn't in a way because of two factors. Number one, you're extremely tired. You know, this is this is now I've probably had two, two hours of sleep, maybe three hours of sleep over the course of at this point, like 44, 45 hours. And it's, and secondly, my whole body, mind are focused on you, giving energy and, you know, strength and support and love towards you. So you're having these kind of internal waves that you're riding. And at the same time, outwardly, you're stoic and you're just kind of like there, or at least I was trying to be because, you know, anything you needed, I needed to fully give my attention to or I was not going to do a good job, I guess, just to be frank, because I was so tired. Um, and you just kind of had to be there. That That's kind of what I was going through. And But yeah, I think the bigger thing was like this, you know, these waves of just, it was like hope and then hope till the next time and then hope till the next time. And, um, you know, I think fear like begins to come up, but like each push is hopeful. Each push is hopeful, just like when the pain releases for you with each push, each push for the room is kind of like, bah, you know, and you put all your energy into it and then, you know, and then you relax and kind of like battle through these emotions. Did I poop? No. Are you sure? I am sure. Is this like a thing that like spouses and doulas just commit? They're like... Under no circumstances do you ever tell her that yeah, she you, pooped. You didn't see all of the waivers that I signed, all of the secret <laughs> um, partner, you know, medical staff doula waivers that we sign of things you are not ever in your life. It's like a secret pact. So I didn't you know, poop on like the Like the table? pact that dogs make to not tell us that they can actually talk. No. Yeah. I didn't, so I didn't <laughs> poop on the table? Huh? No, you did not poop on the table. I don't believe you. Okay. I will say just to demystify, people say like they don't think about the fact that they're like completely naked in front of a group of people. I definitely thought of that multiple mm-hmm. times. And mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who's really uh You're not the most modest of people. <laughs> exactly. That's a nice way of putting it. Um and yet it was difficult to have like that that, you know, that part of my body just like open and exposed for so many hours and plus i was yeah i was just gonna say and speaking of that part of your body where we were at at this point is finally when you released neo's head dropped and it dropped to the point where we're seeing it like we we see the head the mirror out they put the mirror out i mean we're excited and and the ob is like any minute now he's just got to turn the corner i don't know it's early in the morning at this time but it's like i mean we are here we're pushing we're like 
I mean, we're ready. She's ready to catch a baby. We're ready to catch a baby when it comes out. And you're seeing and we're pushing and pushing. And then again, it sticks. It's, it sticks. We get and stuck. We get stuck. And his head would come out with the push. Not out fully, but like you would see more of it. And then yeah, it would kind of go, go back in a little bit. And then come out with the push and then go back in. And I mean, this literally went on four hours. Yeah. For like two hours. It's and crazy. And... At this point, I would say when his head was stuck there, this was probably the lowest point of the night. I want to hear from you about like kind of what you were experiencing. But I think what was happening was, I mean, this is essentially almost two days since the water broke. Everybody in the room is exhausted. We're so close, yet it's just not happening. At the same time... And we kind of found this out later. The hospital was crazy that night. I don't know what that, you know, we just heard it was extremely busy. There weren't even other, the room, if you needed to go to a cesarean, was not even available in that time. They didn't, they wouldn't let you get an epidural, another, like, um, another shot of medicine from the epidural because you were such it was almost certain at that point because it was clear that he wasn't kind of turning this corner that you were going to get a cesarean, which was going to be even more intense than a normal one. Cause he was so far down in the birth canal and we were so tired. So they weren't giving you extra medicine. The nurse and staff kind of had to disappear because there were so much going on. And I mean, we were just, it, it felt a little hopeless in that moment. Like it felt really dark. But I, I, but before it was dark, I, every time I saw him, I, I just, I, you know, having never given birth before, I thought you just push until the baby comes out. And I kept seeing him and thinking, okay, it, you know, I knew that it was taking hours for him to, he was there. So what essentially happened is he was stuck behind my pelvic bone based on the shape of my pelvic bone, which is not something that we even knew going in. Like it was like yet another barrier to our process. And I I mean, I couldn't even believe it, but I just kept thinking, everybody kept saying it's, it's going to be in the next push. I mean, I heard the voices saying we're just a push or two away. And it wasn't until we had pushed for so long that everybody realized like he's, he's kind of stuck there and never did his stats drop and never did I get an infection, yeah, that's, which that's were really huge. And I really, I just felt Neo so steady and so chill that entire time. I was so grateful for his health in that period of time. And yeah. I could feel his soul just taking just taking his time and that that was okay. And it wasn't until the doctor sat on the end of the bed and I'm, I'm thinking I'm having a baby any freaking second. And she sat on the edge of the bed. And I remember in my head being like, what are you doing? Get there, get down there. We're making a baby. And she was like, okay, here's the deal. And I, I mean, hopeless is the word for it. She was like, 
he's stuck behind your pelvic bone. Here are our options. I'm going to prep the room for a cesarean. We can try the vacuum, but if it doesn't work with at, on the very first try, we can't just sit there and try to vacuum him out because there's too many risks. So we can try once, and if it doesn't work, we're going to move very quickly into a C-section. This is where the doula comes back into play again. Although of course she's very active the entire time, but she comes back into play and she says, okay, let's hit the pause button. I mean the wherewithal to say, let's hit the pause button when we are exhausted. And the only thing in the world that we want is to move forward. And she says, pause. Yep. And she helps me to understand at this point, I'm having contractions every few seconds and I can't push. So they're in, unbelievable. I'm in unbelievable amount of pain. And she says, you know, now is the time if you haven't been already to say your big prayer. And I, I said out loud, I said, God, give us the willingness to do whatever we need to do. Because I was pretty sure that we needed a, we were going to need a C-section and I just asked for the willingness to make it through and to be able to pivot towards this other outcome that was so vastly different from what we were currently experiencing. And then in the back of my head, I said, and I felt very guilty. That's why I said it quietly. I said, and we need another miracle, mm-hmm. which we had had so many miracles to date. And that is when we were really hopeless because they were, the, the team was gone. They were prepping the, the room and it, it was an eternity. In fact, it, it was much longer than maybe it would have been otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I think in reality it was probably about 20 to 30 no, minutes. No, no, it, it's like 45. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it, it really did. And imagine like I'm having a contraction every minute and it's the most excruciating pain and I can't push. And the baby, we can feel his head. Yeah. I mean, it's an insane circumstance to be stuck there. Yep. I mean, I was just crying for help. The words help, help, help. And we did eventually convince them to give you another. Some medication, yeah. Some medication for the pain. Yeah. And, and you know, you looked at me and you were like, whatever, like, we can process this later. Whatever happens, let's. Let's just remain. I just remember saying to you, I I can't talk about this. We'll process it later. Yep. And uh, and then the the doctor comes back in and sits on the edge of the bed again. And she says. Now, I don't want to overwhelm you, but there is another option. And I knew that whatever she was about to offer was the miracle that Mm. we had prayed for. She said that there was a doctor there who was highly skilled at forceps births, which I now understand aren't necessarily as common and that that wasn't something that she wanted to go forward with, but he was there and he was not supposed to be there. He was not only the, he was on call and he wasn't the first doctor. the third on call person. (laughs) And like, you know, for reference, when, when we were in the middle of having the forceps birth, his phone alarm went off and he's like, Oh, that's the alarm that was supposed to wake me up this morning. So, I mean, it was incredible. And he came in and he, he had to do a lot of things in order for us to be able to have this birth, the forceps birth workout. He had to assess the situation. It had to look good. And then he had to put the forceps on the baby's head and they had to fit perfectly because there couldn't be any wiggle room. There was basically no margin for error. 
when she said that for Seth's birth, I, I think we just, you're right. It was we the knew. answer. We knew. We knew that this was the answer and I in knew that moment. Because of things she had said all along the way, like he's straight away, he's 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 in position. Like I knew that everything was gonna line up perfectly. I just knew. I had confidence. Yeah. And but we we just kept persisting through this hope and disappointment and hope and disappointment. I couldn't believe how many iterations of that we could endure. So he watched me push. He said it it was it was all good. He put the forceps on. He said they fit perfectly. And I mean, all this happened in like, yeah, minutes, minutes, minutes after days, days. And then all of a sudden he came in and they're like, I just remember from my perspective, it was just, it was very quiet and kind of somber in the room. And then as soon as she came in and kind of said, there's this other option. I mean, within five minutes, the room was flooded when when we said yes, of course, the, the room was just like flooded. Three or four more nurses came in. They set up kind of a little emergency station in case something happened to Neo at the forceps uh, or with the forceps. Yeah, they birth. had a gurney. Yeah, they had a little gurney in there. I mean, it was the room was flooded with people. I mean, I noticed it, but it was just like me on one side, the doula on the other. And it, it just it just all of a sudden like the flurry of of motion and movement and then it was like you said push check that they fit and he said give me the biggest push that you've ever given and i pushed once and i pushed twice and his head was out And then he was like, okay, his head's out. And I mean, this is like a matter of minutes. It was unbelievable. It was fast. fast. Yeah. And then, and then our OB comes back and she says, okay, give us one more push. I pushed one more time and his shoulders were out. And then you grabbed him and. Yeah. I reached down, grabbed him and, you know, with support, like with a backup from the doctors kind of held him as he slid out. That's pretty much how it happened. But yeah, but I, I grabbed him. You caught the baby. I caught the baby. And then Not you the brought him up to me and you said, it's a boy. Yeah. It was so joyous. It was so joyous. I remember you giving him to me. I remember just putting him in under the covers. I remember kissing you over and over and over. I just remember, I mean, we have photos of it, thank God. And, it, you know, my face was just like crying, joy, incredible. And then he peed on me. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I was like, he's peeing on me, but uh, amazing, amazing. The miracle of it all. I mean, you know, it would have been a miracle no matter how he came out because he would have been there and we would have done what we always do, which is what everybody does, which is to rise to the occasion of whatever the circumstances are. And I don't know, you know, it's so funny. It's so funny how no matter, I mean, this was one of many difficulties in both getting pregnant, being pregnant, and then giving birth. But no matter the difficulty, somehow I feel like we are lucky. Yeah. Say more on that. I feel like what what I end up taking away is the miracle. I just can't help but just think about what a miracle it was. Mm-hmm. That's the the kind of the beautiful hindsight, the beautiful remembrance of something. Does it change? Does it feel like, again, I'll ask this, does that lesson of here's what I take away, 
from this what was actually a very difficult experience, but I take away the joy and the miracle. Does that change your outlook on things going forward? I mean, if you could remember, I mean, I have a saying, don't give up before the miracle. And if you can remember that that the way that things have worked themselves out in the past, and I, you know, I pause before I say that because I, you know, they, they, a lot of tragedy happens. Yeah. And so it's not fair to say that everything ends in a miracle. But things do come to an end one way or another. And, you know, I don't know that somebody would say a forceps birth is good. Like, uh, I think people would say that was risky or that was scary or that's not how I would want to do it. I mean, it did a shit ton of damage to my, you know, to my vagina, etc. But yet it's I think it's just important to focus on the miracle because otherwise the the alternative is to just harbor on how much difficulty we experienced along the way. Yeah. And I and hope does spring eternal. I just feel like we you can't move on if all you can remember is how terrible it was. Yeah. Yeah. Not being not being stuck in those places and it's it's important to embrace difficulty. And it's important to acknowledge and, and, and be with and not try to gloss over and sit with suffering and, and difficult conversations and, and things that are hard in our lives. Because if we just suppress them and don't embrace them, but in my opinion, as we begin to embrace those things, we begin to take from them what exactly what you're saying we begin to take from them the joy i'm not embracing difficulty and challenge in order to just think that life is difficult and challenging like yes life is difficult and challenging but i'm embracing you know and there are probably other words i could be using here but i'm embracing difficulty because by embracing it i find the beautiful side of it you know by embracing it i find the beauty in it Mm -hmm. um can I tell you something that I that I feel as you were saying that? Please. I feel like we're done. We're done. We're done with this is the end of a season. Like we are Yeah. This is the end of our fertility journey. And I'm not saying we won't try again with some of the other embryos, but like just in what you said just now about embracing the difficulty so that and then finding the beauty in it I don't know there was this really deep sense of completion like I don't think we're going to be talking about fertility yeah anymore yeah well it has truly been a beautiful journey with you Mm. and and we got a a difficult beautiful journey and we have a difficult beautiful wonderful kid (laughs) (laughs) who we named (laughs) Neo Luther Colette. Colette. New revolution. Mm, And may it be so. Bless it. Love you, babe. Love you. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.